Welcome to this late hour. Casual conversation. Welcome to this late hour. Casual conversation. Welcome to this late hour. Casual conversation. Getting real. Welcome to This Late Hour. As you can tell, I'm not the usual host. I'm actually the co-host, David. And uh, today I'll be leading a casual conversation with Casey. So you get to know your regular host um, for this special episode. All right. Well, first question, Casey, is where have you been? I've been missing some new episodes. (laughs) Uh, Well, hello, David. It's good to be on the show. Uh, I would hope I know my way to it since... uh... I tend to be the one who puts out the episodes. Um, Yeah, where have I been? That's a great question. Boy, uh, I did not intend for this to be, uh, uh, how many months has it been? Four? I don't even even remember now, but um, I'll tell you, life has a way of just uh, deciding these things for us sometimes. Um, There were a number of, I had already taken a bit of a slowdown just because we had a lot going on, you know. Uh, we have young kids and uh, it was a full summer and we've been, you know, trying to do our best to do some prepping uh, reasonably. Uh, we got chickens. Uh, I got, so I got baby chicks uh, across from me in the other room. So if we start hearing some chirping oh, through, the, cool. through the wall, <laughs> that, that's them. But uh, in fact, I was building their, their run outside today. So we're going to be the urban chicken farmers hey that is awesome i'm envious of your chickens (laughs) yeah we got six chicks and uh, you know what's interesting about that is uh the farm uh, we picked them up from you have to order these things like way in advance you know yeah uh you know so that they have time to you know do their thing in the incubators and all that well apparently like a couple of their machines went down they lost a bunch of chicks Oh. And, and yeah, and uh, so a bunch of people's orders weren't fulfilled. A bunch of the chicks died, and apparently, you know, by God's grace, ours were were kept from being in that lot that went down. So we were able to get our six chicks, and a lot of people weren't able to get uh, the ones they had ordered. And I'm sure some of the orders were much larger than six. Yeah, well, that is a blessing <clears throat> that you were able to get those. Then it was, and you know, it's unfortunate for those who weren't able to fulfill them, but. Um, yeah. So anyway, so as far as where I've been, that, that's something we've been doing, you know, and as I was stating on the show, uh, kind of quite a bit before the break, you know, just urging people to get food and water. And I still am urging you if you pay attention at all to the news, which I would hope if you listen to this pro- program, this podcast, that you would have some inkling of what's going on. And, you know, hopefully that's the point of this show is to help 
people know a little more what's going on if maybe you're not following as much. Um, obviously, with yes. a, a, a larger view of what God's doing, not just not just the sort of uh, worldly view, but so that so there's that, and there were some health issues that came up. Uh, you know, uh, both our spouses have had some different issues, and you know, well, it's never well timed. Let's put it that way. It's gonna uh, need to be dealt with when it needs to be dealt with, and so uh, we've been taking some time to deal with those concerns, and thankfully, um, seen some improvement and some 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 light in the end of the tunnel, which has been very encouraging to us. Um, it's nice when you actually have a decent doctor. There's not a lot of those around anymore. I'm not yeah. gonna not yeah. trying to throw doctors under the bus anyone. Uh, but, uh, I mean, certainly just seeing what's happened to our healthcare system, uh, it's pretty alarming at times, but, uh, so we're, we're thankful for that, but that was another thing that came up and then just life, you know, um, like, I think I could probably speak for a lot of people who are listening, man, it's just, sometimes it's just, it's tough living in these days. Um, and you know, I don't even feel like the worst of it's even, even hit the fan yet, but it's just in the, in the sense yeah, of yeah. the. Um, kind of that spirit of desolation and dread and sort of uh, exhaustion that you know seems to be at work, you know, in the world, and I would say even specifically aimed against the saints. In in many respects, uh, I think that was a part of it too. So you know, certainly I had not intended to be gone this long, but uh, it's just kind of what needed to happen. I'd planned on taking a break just to be smart. But that turned into a much longer break. Oh, and actually, I forgot to mention, uh, on top of some of those other things, um, Mandy also got a, a different job. And she's a teacher, so she had yeah. to, to move her classroom over to this new building. And and so it's just uh, one more thing. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot of life changes. And, and of course, honestly, we all agree that our, our families, that home church is number one priority for us as mm. dads. Um, everything else comes second. So sorry to podcast listeners, but yeah, yeah take second, second place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point, David. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't, don't uh, feel I always win the great best dad of the year award or, or husband for that matter, but yeah, just being available and trying to uh, love well, live well and lead well uh, under my own roof and, you know, be doing ministry and discipling here first. And just having time, I think that's just so vital. And especially when there's, um, you know, more demands on an already busy life with, with young ones. Absolutely. Well, I know that I know we're talking about my story and, and sort of your, your uh, kind of chatting with me tonight, but just uh, maybe you have uh, a, a small update you I feel comfortable sharing to the listeners since we last talked on our last casual conversation. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, I had a, uh, a huge, huge blessing um, with my wife's health. Um, I would put it as, you know, we were staring into the mouth of death and yet we live. We have been brought through something that was very scary. And uh, I, I can't explain how we went from, and I can't go into any details of what it was, but I just said, sure. you know, it's, I can't explain on it how we went from something that looked very bad, um, life-threateningly bad to uh, now our health is better than it has been in 
you know, probably better than it's been in a few years. And I, I have no explanation for that other than that is uh, the grace of God that, that did that. I don't know what the means he used were, but wow, it was, it was huge. It was been a roller coaster and things are looking way better right now. But, mm, that's, that's so awesome to hear. And, you know, I'm just thinking of anyone listening who maybe has a health issue or someone close to them has a, you know, a fairly serious health issue or, or maybe even a very serious, you know, God bless you. And uh, I pray he ministers to you as you navigate this. I know it's going to be difficult and I feel your pain and your frustration because um, I've been there and Dave's been there and we've felt that be very real in our own lives with people we're very close with our own spouses. So um, our hearts are with you. Yes. So let's get into the um, conversation here too. Um, and I'm curious, like, so like, tell me how this whole thing started, even though I was kind of with you through at least, you know, part of this journey, tell mm-hmm. me how this whole podcast came about. Yeah. Well, I mean, funny enough, I had, uh, and if my friend Ben is listening, uh, he'll remember we had chatted about doing podcasts years ago. Um, there had been different ideas for things. Some of it was much lighter, you know, even more frivolous. As far as I could, at least I could speak for me. You know, I, t- I thought about doing stuff on pop culture and, you know, nerdy stuff back when that stuff appealed to me more. Uh, he had ideas for maybe doing some more semi-serious stuff and, but, you know, we just sort of kicked it around because uh, I've always been creative and had creative friends. And I think it's just, it was one of those conversations that just sort of came and went and, you know, it was always kind of there, but wasn't sure if I'd ever make anything with it. And then I came back to the idea of maybe doing a podcast on a movie series I liked. And then that just didn't really seem to be redeeming the time very well. And then um, it was, I think, I can't remember. I think it was right before the, it was before the pandemic. Uh, but my, Mandy and I had felt sort of frustrated with some of the things we were seeing in the churches, including our own, a lot of the woke ideology and just some of the, um, the lack of discernment with, with leaders and such. And we were just felt, felt very strongly, maybe we should do something. And in fact, we had this whole podcast idea of, um, a view from our basement, (laughs) uh, and we had a picture of, of these windows kind of look like a cross that was in it. It's in our basement. And uh, we were going to just do these little kind of teaching episodes and, and making observations in scripture and, and nothing really to do much with eschatology. It was just very kind of simple teaching and conversation and stuff. That and I just, too. yeah, you know, and it, it was a neat idea, but I, I just was uh, not in the right place yet to do it. And I think it may very well have been because I, I didn't have in front of me what God had for me yet. So sort of the idea was there and then we got some, um, some of the juices flowing and, you know, worked on sort of like scripting and, and song ideas and stuff. In fact, the, the intro and outro music that I use for the show, uh, the normal episodes every week or two weeks or four months, <laughs> whatever they, they land, uh, but uh, that that was something we picked out back when we had this initial sort of proto version of the podcast in mind. In fact, I've got some episodes we recorded. They're quite bad. Um, like content-wise, they're okay, but audio-wise, they're not great. Uh, so they're just very much, we're sort of the practice run 
for what we didn't realize was coming, which was this. And then the pandemic hit and, and it just, it didn't take long for me to start seeing, you know, cause there was just sort of this, this feeling of in the air, um, you know, a lot of different feelings came with the, the pandemic, but just a sense of eminence, I would say eminence. It's like something was like ready to pop at any time. Like, you know, it, yeah. I, and I started to just realize for me, I was like, well, maybe because we're nearing the end. I mean, this is certainly a big global event that's happening right now. And so I started looking into these things and that's where I discovered, you know, this idea of labor pains and looking at the, the graphs, you know, compared to natural disasters a hundred years ago to now and how they just mimic the whole sort of increasing labor pains. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes. I thought that was interesting that I was noticing all these different treasures of the faith that God was having be discovered in these, the last few years and maybe in the last couple of decades, but all very more recent and they've continued to gain more steam and more attention and continue to be studied and things. And so that was popping up. And um, then the statistics about Bible translations and uh, realizing how close we were getting to having the Bible in every language some Bible in every language. And I thought, well, that seems very, you know, eschatologically significant based on the idea of the great commission and fulfilling that. And it seems to play a part in that. And that just, it all started to to come together. And we were just noticing, you know, the things that were going on in our church and like, no one's talking about anything to do with eschatology. And I had to go find that stuff myself that, you know, I think a lot of churches are just very hesitant to touch this stuff, which I think is a shame. It's, uh, you know, we, we talked about this in uh, the last episode, the last full episode when Mandy and I went through revelation six and just, uh, we talked about the, that introduction of revelation, how this, you know, revelation of Jesus Christ is meant for the church. And because there's just so much opinion and baggage with this, I feel like Genesis is the same. Uh, A lot of times churches just avoid talking about it. It's just a, it's a shame, honestly, but um, this just made this real sort of pressure on me. Like I, someone needs to talk about this stuff. And I started reaching out to you like, why is no, no, why is no one talking about this? And we were kind of mentioning some of the stuff I was emailing out some stuff about like, look at this and look at that. And um, right. we did that little sample episode, which I think we released where we're just kind of, we're talking about different things with the flood and just random things. And so it was all kind of building and I was getting ready to release. So I was, I had to go look online, like, how do you start a podcast? Cause even though we had kind of had that proto version, I still didn't know like distrib- distribution and all the logistics to that. Oh yeah. All the logistical things. And, you know, I'd had experience doing audio stuff, but I'd not used the programs uh, that I'm using now. So, you know, the learning curve and all that stuff, but uh I'm reminded of uh, this example that John Eldridge gave in his last book, Resilient, which, you know, is about how we kind of walk well through these times. You know, he makes the case, you know, we've all been through this terrible global trauma. How do we start recovering from that? But also how do we kind of come to terms with the fact that we're living near the end of the age? And um, he brought, he brings this story up and, and talks about just sort of how there's this tendency in the church to not want to ever go there, you know, just, um, and he's like, you know, he basically says, I don't know what that's about. I mean, every story has, has an ending and this is going toward something. It's not like we're just sort of 
floating out there. This is, you know, there's a, there's a beginning, there's a middle and there's an ending. We're headed toward the ending. And exactly. he brings up some of the same, you know, signs I've seen, uh, particularly with the um, great commission, you know, fulfillment and, and just some of the success we're seeing with reaching the different groups, uh, people groups. And he brought up the story of uh, this, I think it was a sailor uh, who was posted at, uh, at Pearl Harbor the night before the bombing. Uh-huh. And there were all these, you know, warning signs that Japan that was gearing up, they were going to do something and, you know, things were getting really bad and all these guys were out there in their flip-flops and their Mai Tais on the beach. Like it was just nothing was going on. And he just wanted to scream, like, don't you realize, like, what time it is, essentially, oh, wow. is, is, the, yeah. is, is the point of the story. And I, I feel like that guy all the time. Yeah. And I've, I've had frustrations with even, um, you know, people I respect highly in my own church, uh, who, for whatever reason, sort of hold this view that there's, like, we were not meant to look for signs. Yeah. Because, you know, the rapture is imminent. So, you know, there won't be signs of it. And I don't, I don't understand that. I'm not, I'm not looking for signs for the rapture, but I'm looking for all the signs that Jesus talked about to his disciples when they asked him what the signs of the times were. I mean, that's the whole reason we have a Matthew 24 and 25, a, a book of Revelation, you know, uh, because these things matter. And how many places in scripture are we told to watch and to look and to have our lamps lit and to not be asleep because we're meant to be awake and this shouldn't catch us off guard. And uh, I, I just, I can't even fathom that view. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't seem biblical to me. Uh, it just seems like in an easy way, a convenient way to sort of take a, a theological um, back road or, you know, an ecclesiastical sort of U-turn um, to try and avoid kind of looking at this and and i think a lot of really well-meaning um teachers pastors uh and such don't tend to like to talk about this stuff because um you know worried about kind of bringing an eisegesis an, an eisegetical view like you know every sign is something that relates to the end and just you know sort of that overreaction right. and i can understand that and i i think see if you if this makes sense from your your observation but it seems to me like a lot of people just got burnt out on it and i think uh you know i mean uh, growing up in the church in the in the 90s that was just after the 80s and the 80s were like the heyday of uh uh last days stuff mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. in the 90s there was still a lot of it there but then it just kind of fizzled out after the year 2000 it seemed like and then it just became uncool to talk about right so i mean mm-hmm I, I don't know. Is that kind of what you yeah. observed too? Yeah. No, I'd say, yeah, definitely burnout. And, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of well-meaning guys who still are doing ministries that relate to the end times um, have been out saying out there saying it's the end all the time. And we're getting close and we're getting close and we are getting close. Um, yeah. And I, I just think some of them may be. I don't want to say they're they, just putting their time horizon in years when it probably should have been decades. Yeah, maybe so. Or putting the cart before the horse a little bit, you know, just, you know, and I, what I've tried to do with this podcast, you know, cause that, you know, you asked about like what, how this all started. And that was just that sort of 
wanting to shout out like aren't you watching any of this stuff like no one's paying attention like the stuff's going on all the time but you know if, if you one people are burned out so they don't even want to deal with it too or they have this um sort of misunderstanding well you know we don't need to even concern ourselves with these things because we're going to just get raptured and it's not going to matter and i just find that to be uh, a very passive uh view uh that and i don't believe it's biblical based on all the the calls to watch and all the things i already mentioned um yeah i'm gonna go back and just just hear you talk about sorry to interrupt but just hear you talk about i'm gonna listen to your first episode where you summarized all that stuff again I, I that, honestly, was, that yeah. was just a great summary. Yeah, watch and wait, I think is what it's called. And I actually would love to to do a little bit more of an in-depth, you know, kind of a repeat uh, of that, but maybe uh, go, even go in depth. Yeah. Um, go for it. Because you probably have new listeners since then anyway. Maybe they haven't done all yeah, that. Yeah, which, you know, if you haven't listened to that very first episode, it's definitely worthwhile. I mean, for a first episode, it's not too bad. Now, some of my other episodes, two, three, yeah, but... Yeah, that first one was pretty good. But basically, you know, it's just so you have the burnout, you have the what I'll gosh, I could almost call it a, an eschatological handcuffs, like where they're just because they're so firm in in their biases or their denominational preferences related to eschatology, there's not even a desire to look. Um, and I, I try to step back from like making firm sort of positions on some of these, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, you know, when the rapture happens and all that. And like, I'm just trying to make observations, you know, and just really take to heart the whole idea of being a watchman, an observer, someone who's awake and just work out these things with fear and trembling. Yeah, honestly. I mean, that's, that's where I'm coming from uh, because I mean, I can't say it any other way, but just that, immense feeling of we're so close you know and some people say well we can't trust our feelings yes i understand that but there's also something called discerning the spirits and having discernment and it's not just about feeling a certain way uh and you know for me it's like every day something comes up whether on the news or whatever where it's like man that that sounds like an end times deal or an end times sign or something that's leading us toward that time i mean good grief i just saw uh there's going to be a blood moon on the day of the elections i know isn't that pretty uh telling i mean that's just of all the days you know like well that's a quinky dink isn't it (laughs) yep i mean since we're on this you know really quick i'll just a few signs that are i've been dying to talk about since i've been gone so long i may as well bring them up now because i doubt i'll get to them this season since i'm going to be wrapping it up since the year is ending but uh there's several that come to mind uh i don't know if anyone realizes this but um there's a temple institute in jerusalem which is all about the rebuilding of the third temple now the elder john eldridge in his book he, he talks about how you know he doesn't believe there's a need for a third temple because you know the temple moved into our hearts you know the whole idea of god you know the temple was destroyed and then he moved his dwelling place within us as we become believers he dwells within our hearts it's our you know we're the temple and i totally understand his point um but i just think it's both i think that that yes that's part of it but that there is literally going to be a third temple because um the jews don't understand that like the temple plays a part in their 
both their salvation and their deception you know, with with what's what's coming. And so I just I don't agree that there won't be a temple and, and, and not just because of the sort of uh, theological sort of um, understanding, but also just looking at what they're doing. Uh, they're they're very close to getting this on, off the ground. And they've already been cutting foundation stones and they have to cut it with diamond because they're not allowed to use, I don't metal or whatever to cut the stones. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure why that is. It may have to do with the oral traditions. I don't know if it actually comes out of what's talked about in the scriptures. I don't remember uh, specifically on that. Uh, I also know that recently uh, these red he heifers were 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 flown over from Texas to Jerusalem. And red heifers are very significant to the Jews who want to rebuild the temple because they want to reinstitute the temple sacrifices. In order to do that, they have to have a perfect red heifer that is sacrificed outside the gate um, and, and basically cleanses the priests who do the different um, you know, ceremonial duties inside the temple. So it's sort of this outside the gate sacrifice to kind of purify yourself before you enter and start going about the different duties and things, the, the Levitical uh, commands. And so they have not had a, a perfect red heifer in Jerusalem since, you know, 70 AD. I mean, that's, hmm. that's almost 2000 years. That's very significant. And so they've been waiting to see if there's going to be any spot or blemish on these, on these heifers, which, you know, I think it's like any more than two white hairs, uh, you know, they're be considered uh blemished if there's you know any defects or you know issues like that so the way they've had to do this is the the ranchers in texas had to like bioengineer these things you know to you know the way they were breeding them they had to make sure that they would be perfect so they they were tweaking those things in order to to get these right so there's an american <laughs> yeah. yeah you know you kind of think about that too though it's like we were having to sort of jump through all these hoops in order to get this to work because maybe it's not supposed to work well yeah i mean it's if you think about it in the most literal sense antichrist means instead of christ which is precisely what they're trying to accomplish right yeah i mean yes obviously the the jews don't don't see christ as the messiah which uh in fact there's another another sign there's a, a bunch of rabbis who who have been saying they've been talking to the messiah over in jerusalem oh wow and he's already he's already performed some signs. So okay, you, then. So you have these these perfect red heifers. You have a supposed Messiah. Which what is what is one of the first things Jesus says? Let no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, claiming to be the Christ. And here we have yeah. this guy who's who's over there. Preach or, that from the rooftops because we're going to need it. Honestly, I, I think a lot of people are going to get drawn into that deception. Oh my goodness! So so that's going on. And then if you get into the later chapters of Revelation, which I have not done yet on the, on the podcast, but um, I would believe this is after the rapture, in my opinion. It's very late in the end times. It's, um, it's the whole idea of Armageddon. There's this battle between all these major nations coming against Jerusalem, and uh, they march through the river Euphrates. Well, how, how can you march in a river? Well, the only way to do that would be the river is dry. Well, I don't know if anyone's been watching, but all over the world, the water levels are going down to the point where a lot of these main big lakes, in fact, Lake Mead, I even think, could become a dead lake. 
uh, if it gets too yes. much lo- lower. So essentially, it'll be because nothing you can do with it anymore. Like they can't use it as a lake anymore. Um, in fact, I, and I don't know if this is real. Okay, I'll preface that. But there was a video that was had surfaced where these Iranians were digging a grave in this dried out part of the Euphrates. And there were the most horrific sounding demonic noises coming from these holes in the ground. I mean, just totally eerie. And, uh, you know, I don't don't know if it's fake, but that's significant for two reasons. One, um, Muslims believe as they dig into the river Euphrates, there's going to be a city of gold in there. And that's part of their whole tradition. And I don't understand the full, you know, theology behind that because uh, I'm not a Muslim and I haven't really read much of the Quran. But there's this belief of some kind of city of gold gets in there. That's not true as far as I'm concerned. But what the Bible does speak about is these four angels come out that are part of the judgments that come at the end of the age, past the times of the scrolls. Uh, I think it's it's sometime around the Battle of Armageddon, but these these angels come out and they bring destruction on the earth. And so you have these, I guess I'd just call them demonic wailings coming up from this grave. So why would these Muslims who have no interest in supporting any kind of biblical view post this video that doesn't support, you know, their sort of idea of what would be underneath the river. And they may not even understand the implications because they're not Christians. But I mean, and I, and I, I said to Mandy, she has a lot of discernment with these kinds of things. I said, uh, Hey, come listen to this. Do you think this is real? And she heard it like three seconds of it and said, turn it off right now. Cause she was very Mm. concerned about the effects of that sort of demonic language would have over our home. Uh, maybe it's fake. Maybe it's audio pulled from some other creepy recording. I don't know. And just put over that, but I don't think so. I don't recommend you go find it. Um, you know, search at your own risk. Uh, but um, again, it's just another sign. I mean, you the water levels, again, you have stuff going on with Putin and Ukraine and threat of nuclear war. You have him cutting off the grain supply goes back to that scripture about, you know, a day's wages for a loaf of bread. Um, again, it's just everything. It just, and then you go to the world economic forum, which I recommend everybody go who has any interest in watching the signs of the times, go and watch that movie that I recommended on the bonus episode last week, the greatest reset, but um, they get into the world economic forum and what these people are doing is just, pure wickedness and it's incredible that what, what's incredible about and why i think it's so unique eschatologically is because it's such a global phenomenon all the world leaders practically have some ties with these people and they uh let these guys get up at these these forum meetings and basically preach at them this false doctrine of transhumanism and evolution becoming uh our own god little g i mean uh that creepy israeli scientist uh what's his name i always it's always so hard to say noah haraldi what's his name yuval noah haraldi he's out there preaching this transhumanism 
which basically he says we're going to be able to tra transcend our uh, Homo sapien genetics into something greater. I, I mean, like from, from the perspective of an Orthodox Christian, isn't that the whole point of the gospel? We not are just mm. transcending our genetics, mm. but being transformed mm -hmm. into the like the the Greek word is theosis. We become imbued with the energies of God. I mean, that's a whole topic, but it's like, yes, that is our calling. And here's a false version of it that's being set up mm -hmm. in this transhumanism. Oh, we have to just transcend humanity. Well, yeah, I, we do. You're doing I, it with the, like these energies of demons. Oh my gosh, it's and it's just creepy stuff. And I and I. I really caution anyone to take anything Elon Musk says with a grain of salt. Yeah, uh, he's he's yeah. very he's very charming, he's very charismatic, and he's also very trans into the transhumanism. I mean, he he wants to to be able to download people's personalities into other people and read people's thoughts, and what he's doing is wicked, you know. And maybe he doesn't understand it fully. I don't know. Uh, you know, to him, maybe it's just progress. Regardless of, of how much he gets it or not, it's wrong. And I would urge anybody who thinks so, oh, he's going to save democracy by buying Twitter. This guy is not a good man. And and then just understanding the whole transhumanism, like you were saying, yeah, the whole point of Christianity is we're going to be given our new bodies and be glorified and, and you know, made a little lower than angels, you know, Um then you have this guy, and I just thought it was so telling. I think I might have mentioned this comment to you one time we were talking. Of this, of all the people out there who are the loudest, this uh, Yuval Noah Haraldi, Harari, he's out there. First of all, his middle name is Noah. Are you kidding me? You can't make this stuff up. Noah? As in the days of Noah. And for those who uh have a theology that suggests the nephilim were not just mighty men but were actually offspring of uh man and or, well, woman and woman and demon through some kind of this ritualistic kind of inbreeding that was going on which is where you get the giants and all the the stories of those and yes uh if you look into our quote-unquote forbidden histories and things they'll pop up on the history channel and always blame aliens for uh yes i believe there were giants Absolutely. I mean, when they found King Og's bed over there in the ruins of um, AI, wasn't it? Um, yeah. It's like 15 feet long. Yep. Oh, that, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's stuff like that all over. I mean, it's kind of like the, with the flood and, 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 and such. Yeah, it's, it's in every single culture, too. The Nephilim ritual <laughs> is still happening in Japan up until the time of the war. Yeah, and there's a there's a disconnect where well, you know, angels can't make you know make babies with people. It's like you know, you're not understanding. This is not like a physical contact with an with a demon. It's it's a possession ritual that has to do. Right. It, it's it's something we don't need to get into because it's creepy. But um, yeah, you know, you know, any listener who's interested, I mean, listen to the the Lord of Spirits episode on giants. Uh, it's three hours long, but it is well worth it. It is just a di deep dive into that ancient history there. Mm. Yeah, I think that actually, yeah, the Orthodox Church has actually been helpful in some of these things where I've kind of departed from kind of the classic Baptist view. To me, it just doesn't make sense the Nephilim are just mighty men based on the fact you have this whole book, mythic, mythical book. How much of it is, we can take as, as literal history or whatever with Enoch, I don't know. But the Jews guarded it 
and and kept it. I mean, it was it was in with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Clearly, there's a high value on Enoch. I'm not saying it's canonical, but I am saying it's important. And I think it points to um, the fact that yes, there were giants. I mean, even the Bible talks about you know these you know, when they were going to take the land of promise, how there were these giant guys over there. You know, I don't, I don't think this is just hyperbole or metaphor. I think they were literally giant people. That's why you have these myths. But anyway, I'm kind of getting off the trail here. The whole point of that is if you think about then in that context, like the, why God decided to flood the earth. In fact, there was a comment made in, um, that movie, The Greatest Reset, this gentleman was making a, a point of why he thinks it's the last days. And he brought up the whole transhumanism, but he, he referenced back to the flood. And he talked about Noah and how Noah's, the root, the, the Hebrew or, or whatever for his, his name means pure, uh, the same as like a pure red heifer. And so you have this sort of pure genetics. And so he was making the connection. Noah was pure. Um, unlike what was going on in the rest of the world it had become so depraved and wicked because of like all these rituals that were going on among many other things i'm sure yeah i mean that's a huge part of the old testament is is god is saying wipe out these tribes post flood who are bringing back the giant rituals and that's kind of that's why the giant episode is so cool because he points out all this stuff in the old testament but like yeah that's the amalekites that's why israel is it's specifically instructed take these people out Right. Yeah. Eliminate them. I I think people would would be blown away if we could really see what it was like in the antediluvian world. I think it was far more incredible than we realize. And all that to say, there was this sort of perversion of mankind going on, uh, perversion of the spirit, perversion of the man. I mean, just all out abomination. When you talk about an abomination of desolation, uh, you could see why there would be this global judgment. It wasn't just that the sin had gotten so bad. It was, I think it was some, I personally believe it had to do with the types of sins mm-hmm. and how just right. the, the level of um, violation that they were against God and na- against nature and nature's God. And so then you fast forward to what they're doing now with transhumanism. Here's this guy, his middle name is Noah and he's an Israeli doctor. And he's talking about this stuff. It's like the whole idea of nothing new under the sun. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to basically create a Babel society with all, you know, the whole globalist is basically a, it's the spirit of Babel. I mean, spirit of Babylon. It's, it's this global interconnected, you know, well, gosh, it's, it's legion. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to yeah. describe it, but you know, it's like, it's not set apart for God's glory. It's, it's, it's man is going to solve all the problems of earth and he's going to do it through all the ways that are evil and completely opposed to God. And I think that's why that video is so important. Um, Cause I get into a lot of the stuff that went on with the jabs I'm trying to be careful with my language here. Um, but some of the, some of that stuff is really creepy. And uh, I think, unfortunately, a lot of us have just kind of, maybe made up our minds on what the pandemic was and have decided to move on, get back to normal. But, um, you know, it's my urging for anybody who's even semi-serious about the times we live in. You can't just brush this stuff under the rug and we need to be honest with what has happened and not ignore it. So um, all that to say, another sign of the time is this transhumanist stuff. 
and how it points to this global effort to change man, uh, conform man to the image of what man has in mind as this higher being. Yeah. Um, again, it's just the global nature of it. Even the vaccine stuff with the passports. I mean, how close were we? And even this, the, some of this is still going on, by the way. It's not like it just went away. We just, you know, they just took it away. So we kind of, you know, it's kind of smoke and mirrors. But the vac- vaccine passport stuff, I mean, we got dangerously close to that uh, being permanent. And that would have essentially been you cannot buy or sell without having this proof of vaccina- vaccination. That I mean, that's, is that's, that's, absolutely that's, scary. That's right out of Revelation. I mean, how can you... Yep. You can't make this up. We're going near. We're we're headed toward a digital currency, and every all the economies of the world are in peril, which would suggest the need for a global economy under a digital currency. And there would be because there this would be rearranged through these global, you know, entities like the UN and uh, and the the World Economic Forum and and such. Yeah, that it, they could yeah. they could make it so you can't buy or sell unless you have our stamp of approval. I mean, this is literally out of revelation. And that's why I can't understand how anybody can look at these times and go, eh, you know, like the, the mom and despicable me, you know, he's trying to be <laughs> the, the super villain and he keeps doing these different things to kind of like get her attention. And yeah, oh, you know, I'm going to build this thing. And he, he doesn't, yeah, you know, and then he, he builds this amazing rocket, life-size rocket and it shoots up out of her backyard and she's, Oh my gosh, lifts up her sunglasses and is watching in awe. It goes up past the screen and then, eh. I mean, that's it, just it doesn't matter what I did. You know, people that just we don't want to face reality of our times. I mean, it's honestly one of the biggest frustrations I have. And it's why I try to put that energy into something good like the podcast so that I, you know, yeah. can help people to wake up and not just be mad about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that, that we do have to do something positive with that energy. Cause like, yeah, if you take an honest look at this stuff, I don't know how you come away with it. Okay. I mean, I guess if you took it at a counterpoint, right. I mean, this spirit of this age, if it's given its head, if it is allowed to run free, it will lead to it's direct path to the spirit of antichrist to the beast, the yes. global system of control. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but will it be allowed to run? It's, you know, will it be given? I mean, God can come in and destroy this thing in no it's time. Possible. Evil is very weak. It's possible. And we do need to remember that evil is weak and God can has the power to turn all these people who right now are operating on a single spirit and like you you look at this stuff i i studied economics you cannot using the incentives of economics you cannot accomplish what they accomplished you can bribery coercion threats force those things are powerful tools but they're not that powerful Mm -hmm. uh to do what they did there is absolutely unequivocally a spirit behind this stuff right Mm -hmm. so and I, I, I would just say like, okay, maybe it's not the end times, but we're at a point where there is nothing on a human level, you know, purely flesh and blood human that is ultimately guaranteed to defeat this thing. Right. Whatever happens on Tuesday, I, it's, it's, it's a hiccup. 
it's a speed bump in the path of this thing. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, I try not to do too much into politics, but honestly, uh, there is far too much political idolatry within the church. Yeah. We need to be praying. I mean, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the principalities, spiritual forces of evils. I mean, this is what we're looking at as a principality. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm taking over. I'm no, no, like, no, you're, it's, it's so true. I mean, it's amazing the amount of sort of expectation and hope we place on these politicians. We play the same game every couple years. Oh, you know, we can send a perfectly pure person over there. The, like, I mean, unless they're literally somebody who is indwelled with the Holy Spirit, who is walking with God, who is protected spiritually, they're going to get sucked right in. It's too powerful. I mean, can, and can we just be honest? Like, whether you were, you know, a liberal who was charmed and taken in by Obama to idolatrous levels, or whether you were, you know, someone who's considered yourself MAGA and just totally taken by Trump. I don't think either of you is good, by the way. I'm not necessarily speaking against any specific policy or against the the people themselves, the politicians themselves, but just the sort of the adoration and the worship of them. Um, it'd be so easy for a, an antichrist figure, a manifested antichrist to come in and just completely win people over because we're so given into this idolatry of we're looking to everything but God to save us. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. And we are meant to be keeping our eyes on the Lord who is returning soon, not on, Oh, I hope, I hope this election goes well, which, Hey, look, I, I have expectations and hopes for this election, but, like you said, a speed bump. Like I don't, if this is really the end, it's not going to stop this, the spirits at work here, unless God ordains it. So, and we do know that he gave us these prophecies for a reason so that we would not be alarmed. He says, do not be alarmed. These things must take place. Mm -hmm. Do we believe them? I mean, if we believe (laughs) this is not the end times, we still need to be looking through at it through a spiritual lens. I mean, and, and taking it seriously, we need to be praying intensely about this and not thinking that we can fight this on a flesh and blood level. I mean, that's, that's the temptation. Now you're um, trying to do it in our own strength. So, I mean, whether or not you agree with what, what Casey's saying or, you know, about this being, these are all signs of the ends. Like this is the sign of the end of something, <laughs> the, mm. the, the liberal era. And I'm using liberal in the broad classical liberal sense, right. That we're used to is over. And we mm. need we need to get used to something here has ended. At the very mm. minimum, we're, we're looking at the end of uh, you know uh, the the America that our parents grew up with that, that probably doesn't isn't going to exist anymore in the same way. It's this we're looking at something very different. So let's let, let, let's get serious about you know about prayer. <laughs> Absolutely. Was it Adams or Madison who said that? Uh... The Constitution only works for those who are God-fearing people. Yeah, I don't remember who, but I, 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 mean, I think it may have been Adams. True. But um, you know, and I say that to say this: that that's so far from the truth now, and that yeah. um, you know you can't have this sort of revival without the reviver. Like you know, you can't just move toward sort of conservative or or sort of Christian principles without 
there being a spiritual awakening because in the same way you know our battle is not against flesh and blood in the same vein like a revival uh, or an awakening or a, a shift towards something that's good can't happen without there being repentance right and i don't i don't know that people in this country really are even know what repentance means anymore i mean yes there's a there's a sect of of, of christians who understand that but I would say the majority of people like wouldn't even understand the need for repentance. Like, you know, it's, uh, if it feels good, do it. That's where we're at. I mean, good grief. We're how many signs do you need folks? We're trying to trans our kids, you know, school kids are getting taken to drag queen shows. I mean, did you ever expect you would be at a point in history where you saw the, this level of insanity and people talking yeah. about, I mean, literally good is called evil and evil is called good. It talks about that right in Timothy, I believe. It's a sign of the times. Yeah. I mean, that is literally what's happening. Like I, it could never be, it couldn't be more in the nose and the level of evil. It's not just like, uh, you know, violence on the streets, which is certainly going on as well, but uh, just the level of it. And, and let's, let's face it too, just with the whole political thing, regardless of the, the party you favor, which should I say it? <laughs> Look, the Democratic Party is basically a demonic avatar at this point, friends. If you don't understand that, then you're you're in a, a form of denial. Yeah. And and if you and I'm not, this is not to say that I think the Republicans are the saviors. Absolutely not. They are also corrupted. And the, and the point of this is to say that um, both parties are very content to to continue to be completely irresponsible with our our budget with the finances that we put them in charge of as our representatives continuing to fund this war in ukraine continuing to blow out the the deficit on things that are frankly just evil how do you come back from that i mean that there's going to be consequences that on some level you know like monetary policy is going to change there's, there's no way about it. They may stall it, but I don't know how long they could possibly hold this off. No, the, the consequences are coming. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, um, I don't, let's not get too bogged down in like politics and the, even the signs. Right. So let's, what, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's bring it back a little bit. What is your, journey that brought you here and to faith in christ um and i know it's kind of an abrupt transition but i'm thinking you weren't you weren't always a believer as far as i know i didn't know you back then but but um no i, I, I suspect I, you've come a long ways in your yes. your understanding uh, no no i popped out of the birth canal a believer <laughs> no uh yeah it's definitely been a road uh a, a journey uh, often a very ugly one. And, um, you know, I grew up in a non-Christian home. There was an understanding of God, uh, but it was, an, it was an agnosticism. I mean, honestly, if I was to put a name to it, I don't think they would have called it that. But, um, you know, my parents divorced when I was uh, just out of high school. And uh, up to that point, I had been become very confused about who I was in my identity as a man. I was you know, struggling with all kinds of sexual sin. Uh, it's just common with, you know, pornography and everything else. Um, and then I just, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. It wasn't terrible, but it, it, you know, 
it left a lot to be desired at that point in my life. And just so I didn't know who I was, I didn't, wasn't, didn't feel like I was getting the answers I needed from those um, who were authority figures in my life and just kind of was wandering, trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to do. And that's actually when I met Rick, uh, who I mentioned, you know, passed away in January. I was taking a video class and he was in there and needed help figuring out his camera. In fact, the only reason he took the class was to figure out how to use his camera. Huh. And the reason he was trying to figure it out is because it turned out he was the director of Campus Crusade for Christ. And he wanted to do these videos for, for ministry, which I found out later. And it wasn't long. He, he was like a super evangelist. Um, he would share Christ with everybody. And I was no exception. So he sat me down, whipped out his little four spiritual laws, um, you know, gospel tract and went through and explained, you know, I'm a sinner separated from God and I need to receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus who died for me and rose again. So I can rise again. And, you know, I can be made right in the right relationship with God if I receive him as Lord and savior. So he went through all this and, you know, so, oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, and so kind of thought he was weird and wasn't sure what to make of it. It wasn't until I met his family and just how they interacted and his love for his wife Jane and mm. everything that um, like I understood the impact of like what he was telling me wasn't just sort of like a, a theory or it wasn't just words on a page. It was a relationship. It was a, a real life change uh, because what the way his family functioned was so much different than mine. And it was, you know, so much of my longings for, for what was healthy was there. Hmm. And that really drew wow. me to the Lord. And I remember I, we would do these movie nights at his house. I, I loved movies. So I introduced him to a bunch of movies and he was introducing me to a bunch of Christian doctrine. So we'd have these long discussions about uh, the movie afterwards and sort of the different implications of the characters and interesting theological things that were going on. And, and so then we had these nice long talks that were great. Um, just the amount of time he invested in me was wonderful. It's a great man. But through that, I remember I showed up at his house once in this, wearing this gold cross around my neck. And he's like, what's that about? And it's like, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus now. And so uh, it wasn't long, oh. after, wasn't long after that that I um, like fully got on my knees and really like prayed through sort of a sinner's prayer, if you will, like really confessing out my sin and, and wanting to follow God. And then sometime after that, uh, I went on a retreat to this little mountain town and was baptized in a hot springs there uh, by Rick. So um, oh, that's and, cool. Yeah. And from then on, you know, my life was radically different. Um, you know, I, I struggled for many years after that with, you know, different addiction issues. Uh, and those really uh, impacted my walk with God for many years. Um, it wasn't until I went through some recovery classes that I really saw some lasting victory and uh, improvement and just allowing that sanctification process, if you will, to, to reach a different level. And then around that time I met my wife and, uh, you know, we, the great thing about my relationship with Mandy is we had built a lot of our relationship, um, out of these principles of this, of these recovery classes of different things that we had in our past. And so we were like starting on a clean slate and there was no secrets and there was none of that, you know, like putting on a mask or anything. It was just, we, this is who we are and this is our stuff and it's under the blood of Jesus and we can move forward in this marriage and, and not have this baggage. And it was wonderful. That is good. So that's kind of, you know, my, my micro testimony. 
I, I, it just stands out to me. Like you're coming from this place of chaos, right? And then you see Rick, who is just representative of something completely different. You just want what he has. Mm. And because I, that's, that's an amazing testimony because I'm talking to coworkers, all po- sorts of people and life is just chaos for so many families. I mm. mean, like your parents divorcing, it would be considered just normal now. Absolutely. I and mean, I can't, it won't even go into the type of chaos, but wow, what a testimony that, that, that family living a normal life together as Christians and loving each other is what just stood out to you. Hmm. Yeah. It wasn't it um, St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he did both. He used words and he preached it through the way he lived his life. Right. Uh, wow. I wonder how many people, I, I hope that looking back on our lives, we can say the same thing that Rick could say that his not only his message, not only his, his preaching, because I know he evangelized everybody, <laughs> but but like just the way he lived was what just drew people in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more, because he was that was, he's an amazing example. You know, I, I've wrestled with wanting to honor him on the podcast more than the brief mention because he was such a incredible figure of faith. I mean, he touched so many lives. I, I had the privilege of speaking at his funeral, uh, gave the the kind of the main speech in the beginning um, kind of went through the different aspects of his life, but uh, it's been hard because um, the circumstances surrounding his death were so wrong. And uh, there's been a fierce anger about them and not in, in the sense of just a sort of a, you know, like a, a rageful, sinful anger, but a, a righteous anger that does not have an outlet, which can lead to unrighteous things. Uh, <clears throat> I've seen, excuse me, like so many uh, people in the last two years was a pandemic. Uh, he ended up in the hospital because uh, he got a really bad case of uh, COVID. I think it was the um, Delta strain. Cause it hit yeah. him so hard. And um, I remember, you know, they, you know, they were telling him they didn't want him to go to the hospital. And the reason for that is because when you go to the hospital, you don't tend to come back if you have COVID. I mean, this is, this is the, what was the norm through the pandemic? Because the way they were treating people, uh, you know, it was either the vaccine or nothing. And, you know, the most they would do for you is give you a ventilator, maybe some vitamins, maybe, you know, an IV. Like it was very. It was evil. It was, it was completely evil. And the reason it was so evil is not just. It's not just that they were unequipped. It's that they were told not to use certain life-saving medicines. Yep. And even now, people will say, well, what do you mean, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Or what? Yes. Oh, that's just all propaganda. Even if it helps a little bit, it doesn't hurt. Like, well, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This has become so politicized, it's just it's pathetic. But here's the, here's the, <coughs> here's the issue. Number one, yeah, even if, even if it didn't help, 
much. These are safe drugs. They've been in, in use for decades. In fact, I think it was, uh, was it ivermectin that got the, yeah. Yeah. I think it was ivermectin got the like Nobel peace or the, not the peace prize, but the Nobel prize for medicine, right. um, yeah. you know, like a few years ago. And then all of a sudden, oh, this is, could be potentially dangerous to take. There was absolutely no reason for that unless it was nefarious. Because even again, even if they believed, truly believed, like these weren't going to do anything, they were harmless medicines. Yep. You know, even if it was just a placebo effect, let them take them. So, so there's that. Um, and then second, you have Dr. Peter McCullough, who is literally like the most well-spoken and credentialed doctor in that field of any doctor in the world. I mean, literally, there's no one else who has as much experience treating viruses as this man who has been out there telling people these vaccines are not safe and effective and these treatments work if done early. That's a very important aspect that gets missed, that they don't work as well if not done early. Like if you catch it early, these can uh, be very effective in stomping out the infection. So either you have to dismiss this man who is an expert, the only expert of his class in his field in the world and, you know, discredit these highly safe and effective medicines that have been around for decades, or you just have to accept everything that these people have been telling you from the CDC and the institutes of health. I mean, it's just not that simple friends. And I can attest to this, not just Rick, there was also a a missionary friend uh, I knew. He wasn't really a friend. He was an acquaintance. I knew through church. Same thing. Went to the hospital, refused to treat him with anything. In fact, Rick was um, taking uh, all the preventatives, Uh, you know, but he just felt like it wasn't getting, he wasn't getting well fast enough and he was concerned about it. So he drove himself to the hospital. Well, instead of honoring his desire to continue on those medications, they literally took his pills from him and locked them in a drawer. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? There's, yeah, there's just no point like, what, to that. There's, there is literally no reason for that. Other than, oh, well, it doesn't fit our protocols. To hell with the protocols. Yeah. to hell with them. I mean, that, that is, that is being a participant in manslaughter. And this is happened. This was happening and is probably still happening in hospitals all over the world. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that, that the U S has the highest per capita death rate of any developed country in the world. That's... And, and I believe this along with what people, what's really been going on with these jabs is far more nefarious than people realize. And unfortunately, and, it, and it's not just like I'm just saying this because I'm some Alex Jones figure who's like, oh, this is conspiracy. I'm convinced that the, at this point in time, anything that makes you uncomfortable has to be labeled a conspiracy theory because you're just so desperate to get back to normal. And there's some people out there I want to tell you, you got to get out of your private Idaho and wake up. This stuff is happening. I, I, I had a guy I talked to at the funeral who I said, you know, man, this this virus doesn't seem to be behaving kind of like a normal virus and, you know, basically suggesting the man-made origins, which by the way, are now the most likely 
Oh yeah, scenario it was conspiracy theory. Until all of a sudden, it wasn't. Yeah, so, right. They, they, you know, and then you have to wonder why these people keep changing their story on every bit of data. Like you actually follow, they've, they've been lying to you, literally lying. It's not just hyperbole. It's not rhetorical flourish. They have lied. And, and we just don't yeah. want to believe it because we are so desperate to be back to normal. And we just need to forget this terrible time that's happened. Like what makes you think these people are going to stop? It is well, absolute. Live- it's, it's naivete. It's absolute yeah. naivete. And what has happened to so many people, including myself in these hospitals is absolutely demonic. And people who don't want to face that would rather stay in denial because it is easier to live with the reality of that denial than it is to face the truth of our time. It's, it's like uh, the matrix when um, the movie, if anyone's seen that movie, there's a scene where Cypher, the character Cypher goes and he's making a deal with the agents, the computer programs who, who uh, police the, the matrix system. And he says, you know, he's making a deal that to betray his friends, you know, the Judas figure. And he's, he's in the restaurant and he's eating the steak and drinking the wine. And he says, you know, I know the steak is not real. I know that when I put it in my mouth and chew it, the matrix is telling me that it is sweet and delicious or, you know, sweet, juicy, and delicious. And you know what, and you know what I've learned after nine years as the harps playing in the background, ignorance is bliss. Hmm. that's what it is yeah and 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 that's just part of the whole point of the podcast people you have got to wake up you cannot just simply think oh it was just a bad spell that came through and we we were all in it together and we got through it and thank god for the vaccines honestly if that's what you think happened i'm it's not that i disagree with you it's that you've been deceived it's not just a simple matter of opinion on a vaccine. It is so much more than that. The layers of deception and evil that have gone on here, you have to face them. And even now, a lot of the people who in the beginning were very, you know, much kind of, you know, shooting down anything that had to do with the virus leaking or the vaccines not being as safe and effective as they told us. Now these people are starting to change their tune and say, you know, actually. I was wrong. That's the first steps for all of us, really. I mean, the end times are ultimately about judgment. And judgment is not God coming down and putting the smack down, right? Judgment is ultimately where all things are revealed for what they truly are, where there's no, mm. where you can't hide anymore. And so that's kind of the frame that I, I view our medical system within right now there's a lot of good there's a lot of help Mm -hmm. there but this is a judgment Mm -hmm. Um, what what side you take ultimately will determine what type of you know medical provider you become if you're in that field um and that's true of all of us you know we're a better you know why I love that that phrase from Solzhenitsyn, live lot not by lies. Like mm. that's it's so powerful. And it's we all have to do that. Like, well, what are the lies that I've imbibed? Because I I guarantee you, we're just waking up just some of them. Um, 
but we live within the world system when we accept so much of it as normal. And it's only after things are really starting to get obvious that we're really questioning a lot of these things. And, you know, just to, to give some perspective, I mean, our, our discussion we did on the whole vaccine thing back on the first season, we had a very, it was kind of a, it was kind of our first casual conversation, honestly. We just opened up on this and, you know, we're talking back and forth on this issue, sharing why, you know, you decided to get the initial first jab and I didn't and uh, going through that and and talking through it together before we knew a lot of what we know now, even that show was, was banned from, it got a strike on YouTube for, for having misinformation. (laughs) I mean, I linked every article that, you know, anything I mentioned in there, you know, about, um, makes claiming any facts i i I had an article to back it up and it got a strike it it didn't matter because these people are controlling the narrative yeah i go back to that movie this guy uh the greatest reset he he mentions in there he makes this great observation he says how many times in history have the people who are censoring the information been on the good side zero (laughs) yeah I mean, it's just such an obvious statement, but it's so true. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what we live in now. What is truth? I mean, that's part of the, I mean, you think of even Pontius Pilate standing before Jesus, what is truth? He's literally looking at it. The embodiment mm-hmm. of truth. What is truth? Doesn't get it. At least he didn't get it at that point. I mean, we don't know after that necessarily, but um that's yeah. that's where we're at. What is true? And that's, you know, we have got to be pressing into what we know is unchanging, which is the living God and his word, which is unchanging. And what he has told us we are ex- to expect at the end and to observe and to be uh, awake and paying attention. It's so important and to not lie to ourselves to feel better and to not be running back to, to some form of normal because normal is not going to bring back anything that is good. It's just going to bring back a desire to be comfortable and convenient. And those yeah. are those are ugly idols here in the Western culture. And frankly, I think God would be uh, happy to see those put to death because he cannot stand idols. He hates them. Well, you know, speaking of this, before you go on with a question for me, um, because we've kind of been on this whole very, you know, um, touchy subject. And I'm speaking much more firmly on it now because I'm much more convinced about this whole narrative and where it's been going now than I was uh, back when we first spoke about it. But as someone who got that initial jab, I'm just curious kind of where you're at with this and, you know, kind of give us a, a little preview on how you're thinking now. And, you know, do you have any different thoughts or, or yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's been very, you know, my whole reasoning was to protect my wife who has uh, uh, immune, severe immune deficiencies. Um, right. And right. so the, the idea was to reduce spread risk. Well, now we find out, Oh, they didn't even test that. Mm, we, yeah. That, that came uh, out at, uh, where was that? The kid that came out at the, the uh, it was the Dutch, um, uh, who was it that was asking the 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 Moderna? Was it the Moderna rep? I was thinking it was Pfizer, but I, Pfizer. I, I think know. it was Pfizer. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, it's like okay. Regardless of whether or not that's actually accurate, the data completely bears that out. Like there, there is zero reduction in spread 
Well, I mean, and, and think about fact, that. Think about that. The whole point of this whole canard of of where we almost got to the point of these passports was we have to save grandma. Really? We have to stop yeah. the spread. And literally they don't even know if it stopped anything. And there was somebody who did just a, you know, just a seven day sample across numerous countries, checked out the correlation between vaccination rates and spread, found out it was inverse. Mm. And this came out, I think this was the middle of last year that that came out. And I saw that I was like, I mean, by the time we, you and I had our conversation, I was already, you know, at very much a different perspective about the the vaccine. I mean, how do you feel about that? Just the fact that they just blatantly lied to you. Well, okay. So I'm an Afghanistan vet. I know I'm used to being lied to by the government. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I ever since then, I've known uh, these people have a very tenuous relationship with the truth and it's true with the military it's true uh, yeah to everywhere. put it to put it lightly yes <laughs> so i mean this is just like okay now we we can put officially put healthcare in the same category as the military industrial complex in terms of their relationship with the truth mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i, I yeah. like so I, I think I watched Peter McCullough say, you know, if you got the vaccine, as long as you're not getting reboosted, boosted, 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 you're pro, you didn't have any ill effects within immediate, you're probably okay. I don't think it's a long term ill. Uh, but who knows? I mean, it could, I mean, regardless, if that's something that shortens my lifespan, I don't know what will come of that. But <laughs> I can tell you, I will never recommend it for anybody. Mm. Right. Anyway, I, to to wrap up though, let's let's you, you were going you were talking about like how we live at the mm. end, and I I think that's probably where we should should wrap up because this is mm-hmm. like so both on the personal level, like what personal practices are you practicing um, based on your conviction about the times we're in, mm. and then what about uh, how are you leading your family? You know, in ter- in terms of mm. spiritual, I know we, prepping is a huge subject. Totally on board with that. There's tons of podcasts about that too. You know, uh, other other people go deep dive on that stuff. But let's talk about spiritually getting prepared, both personally and as a leader in the family. And then final, my last final question for you would be: What's your joy and hope in this times? Mm. So, as far as like how what I'm doing to kind of walk through these days, well, I mean, it depends on the day. I mean, some days I don't do well. Like anybody, I'm human, and I just can get lost in the the wave of just darkness that often is prevailing, and I think that is a trap because that means I've taken my eyes off of the story that that God has proclaimed through His Word, which He is coming to set things right, and my hope needs to rest in that, and that's why I think it's even described, you know, the return of Christ and the and the hope of the return of Christ and and the longing for His hope or that hopeful return is, I mean, I think it's described as an anchor of the soul in the scripture. Mm. It's one of the reasons I think what we're doing here in the podcast is important because it's so easy to lose sight of the bigger picture and to get caught up in the, I mean, good grief. I mean, every day something's coming up on the news. That's just absolutely insane. So, you know, trying not, so as far as practices, trying not to consume too much media, as far as like the news and 
that headlines like and there's a certain amount i do just because of what i do here um i have one commentator i like to follow and i i listen to some other short little things but you know i don't this is something john elders has said and if anyone's curious yes i i enjoy him and his work and think he's done a lot to benefit the church um but yeah, I benefit from his stuff too. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically he says, you know, the human heart was never meant to take on this kind of onslaught where our newsfeed is our, our newsfeed is giving us, you know, all the terrible things going around the world all at once. Like that's not what does Jesus say? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Hmm. If we're wearing the yoke of Christ, then our burden should be easy and light, which is seems so counterintuitive, so counter to what we see in the world, which is just heaviness politically emotionally spiritually mentally just heavy so limiting that and you know and then that's i've wrestled back and forth with how much and i've taken like breaks on things and then come back to them and i'm no expert on that but i certainly think that's important and have times where you just don't go to your phone and um like I'm fasting from YouTube right now just because it's it's just it's too easy to get lost into things that are just wicked on there and just yeah um distracting and and, and depressing and I mean good grief my my family and I we have a tradition on on Saturdays um to watch a little house on the prairie because it's like usually it has a decent message you know and it's this Christian family you know living a simple life and um you know sometimes it's cheesy and sometimes it's actually quite good and but because it's free, we get it through Amazon for free, uh, through something called Freevee. Uh-huh. But we have no control over the ads. Yeah. And, you know, there was always some that were just kind of like, yeah, let's just, I mute it, you know, and like, if I mute it, it's okay. But my gosh, there was an ad yesterday. Uh, this is Sunday when we're recording this, uh, even though it will come out on a Friday. But uh it was for like this drug you can take for HIV, like prevention or something. And it's showing all these gay couples picking up each other in the subway and like kissing and, you know, all these people living promiscuous lifestyles. I'm like, what in the world is this? And it went on forever. Like, so it was like, it'd be like, you know, one of those commercials for selling a medicine. Like, um, if you have like problems with bladder control, take, Right. bladder bladder x which will help you know basically it's like one of those except it's for this total debauched drug that basically tries to take away the consequences of your sin mm. and that shows all these people in this these you know promiscuous situations and i'm like we're like what and we i ran over and covered the tv with a blanket like we we're not showing our kids that crap you know it's the reason we're very selective with our media because you know there's just a lot of yeah. bad stuff out there so um, guarding that is very important in these days. In fact, we're going to see if we can get the uh, the show at the library so there's no commercials. Good idea. Um, so all, all that to say, you know, being very careful with media and, and whatever it is, whether it be news or entertainment or games, all that stuff. It just it's uh, we just need to be very careful to guard our hearts for it's the wellspring of life within us. It says that right in Proverbs. And I think along with that, there's like a prescription. I think Eldridge may have talked about this as well, going back to him. And the reason I reference him a lot is because his last book was, you know, basically dealing with this trauma we've all 
had to bear the last couple of years. And then how do you walk in these days? Well, which he's under the conviction. It's the, the end as well, or near the end. And it's a very unique time. It's like, and one of my frustrations with the church is like a lot, you know, either they're going woke or they're trying to live like it's the 1990s. I'm like, guys, you can't just do church. Like you've always done church like this. There's so, so many very specific needs and, and crises right now that we need to speak into. And we're just doing nothing. We're just kind of doing what we've always done. That's good enough. I'm like, yeah, I don't think it is. And that's part of the reason I do this podcast is to kind of press into that more. So, you know, as far as my disciplines to try and help myself, you know, I, I, I can't say it enough. Yes. Bible reading. And prayer, absolutely. Like it's the cornerstone. It's the thing that's always being pressed, and every, every church should be being getting pressed. Through, you know, in every church, you know, it's one of the some of the core and key disciplines. We have to be in God's Word to know God more and to to remember and not forget, which we're so prone to doing as people. The whole story of the Bible is people uh, being told and people forgetting and then having to remember again. And it's pretty pretty much sums up the most of the Bible right there. And so to not forget, we need to be in the word often. And that's what I do. I, well, that's what I try to do. <laughs> I've set aside time for that. And um, and then just, um, you know, setting up these boundaries for me. Um, and it's trying to be more intentional with my time because the days are evil. So being very, very intentional on these disciplines. And when I'm not, like recognizing it quickly and, and making quick course corrections you know, having those quiet places. I would also say um, a Sabbath is so essential. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it is still a command. Now I know like church tradition has, has done a lot to butcher this command, but, you know, Sabbath still reminds us of the glory of creation. And Jesus reminds us that it was made for man. Like man, you know, man was not made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It's made for our benefit. Uh, it's it's meant to be a gift, a joy. It's also a command, and it is. There's a reason why he commands us because we need rest. Our our need for rest has not changed with the new the new uh, testament with the new covenant, and uh, that's just. I mean, just that's just uh, common sense. Like we, we we're still people who need rest, and he has set these rhythms up because he's the one in charge of setting the times and the days and the seasons, and so. We've been, you know, trying to observe and honor the Sabbath for for many years now, uh, sometimes unsuccessfully. But I'll tell you what I can notice when I don't get a Sabbath, for whatever reason. If I, uh, you know, something comes up, or, um, you know, just for whatever, for whatever reason, we don't take the the day off. Like it's a big deal. So those are some of the key things I would say. Just you know, being in the Word, being in prayer, faithfully. Um, you know, guarding our hearts really well with what we're consuming, how we're spending our time, taking a day of rest, because like we're getting beat up every day with the news, with the different things going on in the world. We just need a day to get away from that and to rest and to just find joy in some way. Yes. So those, those, those are some of the practices that come to mind. Um, and just gu- not just guarding our hearts, but guarding our time as well, because there's always going to be things competing for our time. And, I, I think honestly, there are even in church, like there's so many demands that can be put on us that often we uh, we can end up saying yes to all these different things and we just get burned out so fast. 
So if we're not really selective about where we're saying yes and where we're saying no and, and uh, being really intentional in these ways, it will help a lot, go a long way in, in uh, helping us get through uh, the days we find ourselves in. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. That uh, intentionality around how we structure our time is very crucial. And uh, that's good encouragement to me to, to be more intentional around that as well because if you don't you don't set your own liturgy the culture will set it for you absolutely and and, you know i think it's always been important but i think even now it is especially important it's because there's just so much going on in the world um if if we're not tuned into what the the holy spirit's up to um we're going to get taken out by some other thing that's competing for our time and attention so we just need to be plugged in and dialed into what god's doing as far as the last question you asked, um, remind me what it was again. <laughs> I've gotten lost on that. So what are you doing to find hope and joy in these times? And like, I think maybe we should do a whole episode on the positive, the, the, the hope in his appearing. But, you know, just for now, like, what's a quick answer of how you find hope and joy in these times? Oh, goodness. How I find hope and joy in these times. Well, I mean, honestly, like that's that's been difficult for me. And it's something I want to to do better at. Uh, and I want to bring into the, to the podcast as well, because we all need more hope and joy. Uh, but in the scriptures say the joy of the Lord is our strength. And just, I think it's why it's so important. we be anticipating and looking for his coming, like the scriptures command us to do, because that is where our hope is friends. I mean, that's it. I mean, all these things that are wrong in the world, all these injustices, all this evil and deception, he is coming to set that right. And just when, when we rest in that truth, just how, how vital that is to who we are as believers, the truth of that, that this is all headed toward a conclusion that has been foretold. And that when things look out of control, this is again, another Eldridge uh, tidbit here, but uh, basically he says, you know, the story of the world has always been the story of God. Nothing that's going on in the world surprises him. This has been foretold. Uh, he is sovereign. He's over all these things. He is running the galaxies. And uh, every breath we take is because God allows it. And uh, he is more awesome and mighty and incredible than we could possibly put to words. And uh, knowing that he's coming to to bring his kingdom in, in, in its full manifestation and to set all things right and to make all things new what what better hope could there be it's not some whimsical mythological pie in the sky or jesus in the sky kind of uh hope it's a real grounded hope but he is physically going to return he's going to bring judgment and then he's going to set things right and uh for the believer, that is a, a very hopeful thing. And, you know, for those outside of Christ, uh, man, don't waste another minute trying to do this on your own. Repent of your sin. Confess that you have fallen short and that you uh, desire to have Jesus be the Lord of your life. Because uh, until we've made submitted to his will and made that commitment, we stand accused before him. And the judgment that was put on Jesus will be put on us instead. And uh, so anyone who's 
outside of that hope, I would just say, don't waste another minute and confess your sins before the Lord and get on your knees and ask him to be the Lord of your life and to come into your heart. I mean, it says right there in Revelation, in fact, he who seeks shall find or, um, you know, if you knock, you know, I think that's in Revelation. If I stand the door and knock and whoever uh, hears my voice, you know, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I mean, it's the ultimate promise of, of the whole scriptures as uh, the reconciliation of God, man to God and, and coming into union with him. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Repentance and, and uh, is, is for all of us. And I think it's the most essential thing we can do. I love that verse. And some something you said reminded me of it, uh, where it says that we see all these, I think it's, you see all these things and lift up your eyes for, you know, your redemption is drawing near. Mm, I think that's Hebrews actually. Um, well, he, no, maybe he was just seeing the day approaching. I got to get these, all these, uh, uh, references, uh, straightened out. <laughs> I don't have them all right in front of me. So, <clears throat> well, Dave, it's been a good conversation. Do you have anything else for me? No. I, um, did you have any, uh, closing comments about, about the schedule of the podcast or anything like that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I dropped a little bonus episode again. It's a trailer for Greatest Reset. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen and then follow the link to watch the movie. It's long. It's about two and a half hours, but it is well worth it. It's so well produced. And, uh, you know, that one of the gentlemen in there in the beginning says, you know, hey, this this movie is about uh, people all coming to you after the fact who don't have an agenda, who aren't who aren't wanting to lie to you. We're just putting it all out there. And it's so impactful. So I know that we have to guard our time that's one of those places where that two and a half hours is well worth the time invested. Um, mm. and so then this will drop on uh, Friday. Uh, what Friday is that? So we're recording this on the sixth. And so this will drop on the 11th and then I'll have an update, which I've already recorded with Doug Cobb on the 18th. There'll be a break for Thanksgiving and then I'll come back and there'll be a couple more episodes in December. I haven't quite figured out exactly what those are. I have some ideas, but um, it'll be just closing out the season. And, you know, obviously there was a lot more I wanted to do. I had a whole format I was going to go with this season. And uh, as we already spoke of in the beginning, life had its way. And uh, it's a format I can take into the next season if we're not all, uh, you know, if we haven't all been raptured already. Um, huh. But uh, uh, I am planning on, on, you know, kind of holding more to that format uh, that I mentioned in the first episode of the season, a lot more faithfully next season. Um, but I was very happy with the interviews we've gotten this season. Um, and I'm curious, Dave, have you had any favorites this season so far? Uh, was it this season? The, the shroud of Turin mm-hmm. interview. Oh, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That, that was um, such a fun one. Yeah. yeah and I also uh, loved the arc one too. That was, I was that was last season too, wasn't it? Well, it was a little bit of both. Oh, yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah, good. Th- th- those are good. Good, good interviews. Excuse me. Yeah, the three part uh, Trout of Turin special was something I didn't realize it'd be three parts. I I was wanting to do something on like that for a while, and uh, yeah, that was a joy to produce. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, you might find this funny that that uh, you'd use the Handel's Messiah as your intro and outro. Mm-hmm. music on that episode series and that when when we were 
when I, when I was thinking about what I wanted, wanted, wanted to talk about in the, this conversation today and think about joy and hope it that, that line from Handel's Messiah and he shall reign forever and ever, which, you know, mm. comes straight out of scripture. Mm-hmm. That's what was the refrain. And I was like, yeah, that I would love that. <laughs> mm. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So that's my announcements. That's uh, where we're going. And uh, thanks Dave for sitting down and doing this conversation. I hope it was a blessing to somebody. It's gone long, but uh, these casual conversations tend to go longer because uh, they're very casual and we talk about lots of different things and I hope and pray that it won't get a strike or be banned because of some of the content. And that just tells you the, the state of things that, uh, you know, yes. well, God you will get it to the people who need to hear it. <laughs> oh, let's hope so. So, yeah. So with that being said, I guess we'll, we'll close it out and we'll, uh, you guys can uh, be looking forward to an update from Doug Cobb uh, the Friday following this episode. You have been listening to this late hour. Your contribution helps pay our fees, improve our equipment, and build better content. It is my hope that your continued support of our show may bring future interviews and exclusives. Our goal is to always be improving our show so that the church may be strengthened in our mission to bring salt and light to this present darkness. May God richly bless you.